0: Welcome to the Givagee Podcast. I'm Ben, Givagee's COO. And for those of you who don't know who we are, we're fundraising experts who provide fundraising technology and consultative advice to organisations looking to raise more at events and online. 2020 is a very special year for us, and we are celebrating 10 years since we started supporting charities, and we have helped to raise over 550 million US dollars across the US, Canada, UK, Hong Kong, and Australia. We're excited to share our fundraising best practices, tips and tricks through this medium. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to the Giviji podcast. I'm Ben, Giviji's COO. And for those of you who don't know who we are, we're fundraising experts who provide fundraising technology and consultative advice to organizations looking to raise more at events and online. 2020 is a very special year for us as we've been celebrating 10 years since we started supporting charities and so far we've helped to raise over 550 million US dollars worldwide. We're excited to share our fundraising best practices, tips and tricks through this medium so sit back and enjoy the show. We're joined by an extra special guest, um, Stephanie Thomas, a fundraising expert and consultant based in New York in the USA. I met Stephanie back in 2019 at one of our Future of Fundraising events, and she has kindly supported our charity um, Q&A, and it turned out to be one of their best worldwide because the advice and support she gave to charities was fantastic, and the questions just kept on coming. So this week's episode is going to be focusing on the top five things to do as fundraisers during the coronavirus outbreak, because fundraising doesn't and shouldn't stop. So it is a very, very tough time. And we know that Stephanie is going to help give some consultative advice during that time. But before we do all of that, Stephanie, let's find out a little bit more about your fundraising journey. But how are you, first of all?
1: I'm oh well, hanging in there, adjusting to this new reality like everyone else. But it's been great to see how many people in every walk of life have been coming together. Um, so I really value that and it has made me feel better.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree. It's um it's it's really really trying times, but the more the more the more the people pull together the the better. But in terms of your kind of fundraising journey, when when did it start and and kind of give us a little bit of a timeline?
1: I think like everyone else with as much gray hair as I have, um, I got into fundraising by accident. (laughs) It certainly was not on any school curriculums, etc., When I graduated from undergraduate school, one of my advisors, I ran into him in the elevator and he mentioned that a friend of his who worked at a big nonprofit in New York was looking to fill a prospect research position. And I asked him, which prospect research? And he said, I don't know, but you're a student. Um, it has research in the title. You can figure it out. <laughs> um, so I thought a lot of him, so I applied. And the person interviewing me also thought a lot lot of him, so she hired me. Um, and it turned out to be a prospect research job for a huge cap- capital campaign. And that introduced me to this wonderful world of fundraising and the rest of this history. <laughs>
0: And and how many how many years have you been you've been in the industry now?
1: Oh gosh. Um, I think I just hit thirty years.
0: Wow, thirty years.
1: Very close, very close. half probably. And
0: and what is it, you know, I know I know you've obviously been in the industry for a long time, but what do you actually now do in terms of what do you offer to charities?
1: Sure. My firm, we specialize in providing fundraising guidance around special events, although I have taken on other types of projects. But more specifically, we focus on how the event can be used as part of a major gifts program, um, working to educate and increase engagement with your board. And in some cases, for small organizations, really helping with some very basic development functions because I have found that a lot of small entities are holding events but don't have a lot of development support. So I'm trying to give them some guidance through the event that will help them year-round. Okay.
0: No, brilliant. And I do have to ask, as we are a global fundraising partner, I've always noticed that at the end of your name, it has CRFE, what does that actually mean? Is it is it an accreditation?
1: It's actually CFRE. Um, oh, I'm sorry. A, that's okay. A certified fundraising executive. And like many certification programs, it's meant to make sure we are educating ourselves regularly, Writing uh, articles, publishing, giving back to our both the nonprofit sector, um, but also volunteering in ways. Um, and every couple of years, we have to recertify. So it is a great tool. It keeps me current and up to date on what's happening.
0: Well, yeah, it's always. Um, I met the the, the guy um, Stephen Malley on our last podcast had the same <laughs> accreditation, but it's not. It seems to be an American thing. It's not something I've seen in other countries.
1: Uh, I'm sure they'd be happy to sell it to you.
0: Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent.
1: Someone's listening now. I'm sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so, what would you say? What do you love most about fundraising?
1: gosh I think I don't know what it says about me but I like the challenge I think it's a great blend of strategy and psychology and somehow it always feels new and different which is something I like so again I I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but I do love it
0: (laughs) and now as well a little birdie um, has told me that you might be running for office is that is that right
1: the bird is flying slowly. I am running for office. Um, I filed about a month ago. Um, so yes. And I like to say the only thing more thankless than fundraising is politics. So <laughs> again, I don't know what it says about me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. So we're, gonna, we're definitely going to be watching this space to see how you get on, but I'm sure you'll do really well. So we'll now start to move on to add top five things that you can do during the coronavirus outbreak as a fundraiser. So the first topic that you wanted to talk about was don't fear, you can still fundraise. So yeah, over to you.
1: You know, when I think about what's happening right now, we have certainly had other disasters, natural, or something like 9-11 here in New York. But this is definitely different, as I think everyone knows. Um, And some good advice that I heard recently was... Pause, not panic. And I think that's really important to just take a breath and realize that we are in unprecedented times and that no one has the answers. And as a result, there really are no right and wrong answers. But in pausing, you might tune in to what your community, your donors are really looking for versus, you know, just panicking, which I think causes us to Mm act out, if you will, and maybe not in the best way. And the other thing I, I do want to mention, because I think it's important for everyone, take care of your people first. I'm a small business owner, and in that space, I learned a lot about everyone's different. This will hit them all differently. Just take time to give your employees some finance help, etc. If you have a team working for you. But about fundraising, there's a few things I think are important for everyone to remember. One is that friend raising is still fundraising. We always think of fundraising as sort of a retail business where we are bringing (laughs) in dollars. But it really is about building connections and Although some people are still asking for actual dollars, and I think that's fine. If your organization does not feel that this is the right time for you to pursue that route, you can still be out there fundraising, communicating about what you do, why it's important, you know, what you're going through, checking in with donors, and all of those things will still help you in the long run. I've talked to a lot of clients um, and former clients who some are nervous about asking for money right now. You know, everyone is trying to walk a line between what's appropriate and what feels, you know, a little, might feel off putting given the severity in some places. But I do think if you have an urgent need, it's okay to express that. The same fundraising advice I would have given a month ago or a year ago is that we are not asking for ourselves. We are not asking, you know, to make someone rich. We are actually trying to help people. And I think everyone recognizes. You know, I talk to friends who are like, wow, you know, like everyone's at home my kids, my husband. Luckily, we have a five bedroom house and we each have our own room. Or, yeah, my nanny is still coming in, you know, things like that. And they realize, what about someone who's living in a one bedroom apartment but still has two kids? Or, you know, they're realizing what if you don't have a car to drive to the grocery store and public transportation is slowing down? So I think people are in a better space to hear about or maybe to empathize more about the urgency for so many people that our nonprofits serve. But advise people if they are reaching out is to just follow the basics of communication which is and fundraising you always want to end with a specific action in fundraising i always advocate for asking for a very specific amount because as much as people want to help the easier you can make it for them to figure out what they can do the more likely you are to be successful Mm -hmm. one of my former clients sent an email around a few days ago asking it was part of a campaign to fund one of their kids um, to help transition to an online environment and i don't remember all the details but it was very specific ask for eleven dollars and i thought wow, that's brilliant, because I don't know anyone who wouldn't feel like they could give $11. But the case was made very clear what that $11 would be used for. The case was very clear of what that $11, why it's needed now um, to help them bridge this gap uh, during this crisis. Um, So I think that type of communication is still, you know, I don't think anyone would receive it. Poorly, And the other thing I just wanted to say that I think is important, and people don't think about it as fundraising, but we are going to have to rely on foundations, government, Mm -hmm. etc., to help bridge this unprecedented era we're in. And what I'm seeing, I've been on a lot of calls in my political life with our states, um, like Small Business Administration or Governor, etc., and everyone talks about small business, and then I always raise my hand and I say, <laughs> you know, uh, I virtually raise my hand, uh, are these um, loans good for nonprofits, etc.? And they always say yes. But I think a lot of nonprofit organizations aren't aware of what is available to them in some of these relief packages. And so this is a really good time for fundraisers in particular to... Collaborate, talk to people who might have been considered your competitors, talk to some of the advocacy, nonprofit advocacy groups like a nonprofit uh, New York here in New York. They've been lobbying for weeks now to make sure that any relief package that comes from the federal government uh, here in the States, there is something built in specifically for nonprofits. Here where I live in Connecticut, our community foundations have started collecting money and a special grant program to help bridge uh, some nonprofits during mm-hmm. this time. So this is, although we need to, <laughs> we need social distancing in our regular lives, but in our digital lives, it’s a good time to collaborate because we will need many voices to advocate. For us, so that we will see a fall off in fundraising. I think that's unavoidable, but some of these other activities might help uh, bridge the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, is is one thing that you you mentioned at the start of that of this topic was you know let's, let's pause, not panic. I've been speaking to a lot of fundraisers over the last couple of days as well, and what I'm finding is there's a lot of charities out there or nonprofits worldwide where they are so they are extremely event focused so they have this kind of one or two kind of gala dinners every year and it can actually be their lifeblood it, it's right. and I, I can i can sense it when i am speaking to charities there's a serious concern because so many of them have had to postpone their events what what kind of advice could you give to those kind of charities because there is a lot of them out there that are struggling with this decision
1: Absolutely. One of my clients, their event accounts for 50% of their operating budget. Um, So they're in a bit of a bind like so many institutions. So like I said, fundraising is still possible. A lot of people who are, I feel like almost every nonprofit I know has an event either that was planned for April, May or June. And the responses are varying, and I think you have to uh again take that breath and do what works best for your community but things i I have seen people become very creative, obviously having the ability to do a virtual event is a huge opportunity, and people certainly are doing that i think I think at this Phase, creativity matters. Um, everyone understands we're in a new normal and that nonprofits need money. And I think they're willing to listen, but the more you can make it respectful of where they are and also a little fun and different, um, mm-hmm. just like a real live event, they're likely to play along. For example, a charity I work with, they are Talking about uh, replacing their May event with, uh, if anyone's been around in fundraising a long time, you'll remember there there used to be, you don't see it as much anymore, but I don't don't even know what it's called anymore. I haven't seen it in so long, but like a virtual party where different people host individual parties at their homes, um, but it all happens either on the same night or during the same week. And they may or may not have content from the nonprofit, but, you know, the guest who is hosting will talk about their experience. So that's a little twist on something that (laughs) used to happen uh, live, but that's a good one. Obviously, many people are still doing auctions online, even if they had to take their gala offline Um, altogether, they're building... Uh, bringing their community together to bid on certain items, whether it's actual items or, uh, like, fund-and-need items, something that would help them weather this crisis. I think that's a good idea, Uh, especially if you have something very specific. You know, like, I can imagine a food pantry might say, you know, like, buy um, 10 jars of peanut butter, (laughs) virtually something like that and crowdfunding i think this is also a good time for crowdfunding uh, and thinking about your event in a different way i was remembering back in my 20s how i was always doing walk And uh, if everyone remembers that, um, you know, you would get people to sponsor you to walk or read-a-thons, etc. When I was talking to a friend of mine who works at a school, we were toying with this idea, like, everyone's working from home now. You know, what if we, like, put out a challenge where, you know, the students who also couldn't come in were going to read, I don't know one book a week or you know something like that and like have adults sponsor them or uh you know everyone's trying to be creative but I think compared to any other time in our history we have so many opportunities uh virtually that any idea you can come up with can probably be implemented online
0: yeah 100 percent and we're seeing that you know as a as a as a fundraising partner, we're seeing a massive shift to to virtual events, or yeah, like you, like you said, the virtual auctions, donations, and the same with prize draw as well. We've started to see a really big influx of a lot of charities who aren't able to those events, also then running a a prize draw for kind of their star items that they were going to put in the live auction.
1: Oh yeah, 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 that's great. No, mm. I've heard. I haven't seen a lot of data yet, but I have. Heard heard especially organizations that had march events where they already had items they already had all of their attendees secured have been doing these things to great effect i, I look i think when something bad happens people feel powerless and one thing they can control is helping someone who's less fortunate than themselves in some way. So I think pe- people are still out there and want to give.
0: I agree. And in terms of the individual, because I know we're going to talk about teams as well, but I, I think for a lot of people all around the world, they're all of a sudden being faced with working from home. And like my friendship group, I have a variation. If I have some people that work from home and some people, you know, that have only ever worked in office – and some of them openly admit they're like I could never work from home cuz I just I get so distracted. Have you got any tips for what people could do to keep themselves motivated during this time when they're isolated?
1: <laughs> Maybe, but I haven't been doing a good job myself. (laughs) I have to tell you quickly my favorite working from home story. I've talked to quite a few people who have said, oh my gosh, this laptop, the print is so small. I can't see it. (laughs) Um, So everyone's running out to buy monitors. (laughs) You know, it is an isolating time. And I think, again, I think technology is beautiful as long as you have a good wi-fi connection anything that you could do live you can do online i have found even outside of my work environment i have a coffee with friends uh, three mornings a week where we just meet and have coffee we drink our own coffee we chit chat much like we would in a cafe but we're in the comfort of our own homes I've been doing in uh, my gym is doing virtual workouts, so I've invited friends to join me <laughs> at those workouts and in the workplace, I have certainly had friends who their organizations um, I think it depends on the culture of your team and what works best, so I've heard everything from you know we're definitely still doing our weekly meetings online to. A lot of people I'm finding just are wanting to, uh, like, touch base with people, yeah. see people, especially in states like mine where basically everything is closed and there's nowhere to go. So they're having happy hours. They're having single balls <laughs> They're playing card games. <laughs> A few people have said they started um, book clubs where, so the workplace is, now morphing into more of a social place as well, where their work group are doing social activities together. I haven't heard about this yet, but I thought about instigating uh, a watch party of, I don't know, some somehow the Handmaid's Tale comes to mind. <laughs> like yeah. some, some show that you might want to binge watch um, and just, you know, with Facebook, you can do a watch party. I've, it's I love also that. a really... Time, Yeah, I mean, I think that's fun. It's also a really good time for professional development. One thing I used to do with my staff, I haven't done it yet in this context, but it's, I think, a good idea. I used to have everyone listen to a webinar or go to some class online, but then they would report back and teach everyone else. So something like that, a lot of people are having a little more downtime. So that's a good way to just bring everyone together and learn at the same time. And one thing I, I just thought of as I said that, um, I have heard, you know, fundraisers are a little busy right now, but there are staff at nonprofits or maybe certain levels of staff and fundraising departments who are not quite as busy, and I was just thinking this could be a good time to ask them to call donors, check in, see how they're doing, I still think fundraising is a person-to-person type of business, and the more you can foster a human relationship, um, the better off you'll be. So maybe that's a way to use some underutilized staff right now. Just call in, or text, or email, check in with donors individually. We're all getting these mass e-blasts. But now that I think about it, I haven't gotten anything like addressed just to me from the the non-profits that I support financially, um, so that seems like something we should all do as non-profits <laughs> if we have time. <laughs>
0: Definitely, so I think we're all getting fed up with these COVID nineteen emails. Um, I know there's just they're, they're, they're a message from the CEO or a message. just, it's just, it's just constant. So yeah, there's, I, I agree, and I, I, I support different charities. Well. I've had no kind of communications, and that, that kind of just leads us on to you know, to that question, which was, um, which one of your topics, which is how to keep your charity in the mind of donors, because we still need funds. Um, and I know you kind of answered on the other one, but I think this is this is a good lead in.
1: Yeah, um, I do think communication is important. But along the lines of what we were just saying, I, I mean, a week ago, I burned out on the COVID-19 emails, I read the first line, which is, We are dealing with extraordinary times and I say I've seen this before and sadly I think we all get used to whatever surrounds us so to break through the clutter you know I think you have to keep your message as authentic as possible for your organization but when you're going out there you also want to think about I was on another, you know, I've been listening to webinars around the clock myself, and one I heard recently said, don't forget, when you communicate with people as a non-profit, first and foremost, you want them to walk away with a feeling, and I think that's true for all communication. You know, when people are trying to sell us Coca-Cola, it's, you know, it's not so much you know, this is a beverage that you can drink with bubbles. You know, they, they try to brand us with like, oh, we'll be happy if we drink Coca-Cola. What a feeling. So I think as nonprofits, we want to think that as well. And I've now lost track of your original question. But, um, <laughs> I know, I, somehow I, I now want a Coke.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Your, your positive marketing works. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. but, but yeah, you, you, have, you, you have already answered the question, which was it was to kind of how to keep your charity in, in mind of the donors because we kind of still need funds, and like you just said, with those emails about you know COVID nineteen at the moment, they are they're all quite negative, aren't they? So I suppose, like you said, it's bring getting that feeling in there.
1: Yeah, and and if I could just say, I, I just said it a little while ago, but I couldn't emphasize this enough. One thing I used to talk about when I would give fundraising workshops is how important segmentation is and individual communication with donors. And I think it's more important now, even if you don't have the manpower to send individual messages to everyone, try the segment because the message that you send to people who usually go to your event Are people who gave to you in this past year should be different than the one people who haven't given to you in three years are you know like try to be as individualized as possible and I think that will help you in the end
0: absolutely and one thing i found over the last couple of weeks is that a lot of fundraisers have been emailing me and saying, you know, about normal gimmicky stuff, and they've kind of been saying to me, like, like you said at the start, they've got a lot of time on their hands. And from a, you know, from an admin point of view for fundraisers, is there is there anything you can recommend that they they could be doing during this time, as well as obviously getting the communications out, ringing the donors, and all the key things you've said so far? Is there any other key things you think they should be doing right now to keep, especially to keep themselves busy during this this next few months?
1: I mean I have found I mean the best thing they could do is keep sane themselves. This is a incredibly stressful time. Um I have found it helpful to one what I said earlier, collaborate. Uh this really is not a time to silo. There are a lot of groups that have sprung up on Facebook and LinkedIn. Geared specifically to nonprofits, or even more specifically to fundraisers, and there are questions that everyone is feeling. Um, experiences that people are finding successful or not successful. So linking in with those groups, I think is important. And education. I don't know about you, but I've gotten at least one at least one email a day from. Just about everyone from government to nonprofits, Mm. from foundations to companies offering uh, podcasts such as this and uh, opportunities to just learn about how people are uh, working around different aspects of the same crisis. And because it is global It's an opportunity to even learn from people in other countries. I was on a webinar two days ago with a group in England, and it's been nice to just feel like you're part of a broader community. So I I would encourage anyone with time, if they are already tired of cleaning out their basement, uh, to to join in some of these webinars.
0: Okay, so I'm going to ask a, a bonus question which is a question that I'm being asked a lot at the moment, especially over the last year, is around innovation. You know, in your experience, have you, have you seen anything kind of new or really successful in the last few years that you'd like to share?
1: It's a good question. I always feel too old-fashioned to answer it. You know, there's been a lot of new stuff in technology, obviously. Uh, companies like Giver have been great in taking... You know, something like auctions, which were tried and true and ratcheting it up and coming up with new ways, new twists on that same formula to make it more successful. And I'm sure, I'm sure there have been innovations around in the event space. I would say on the party planning side, um, I've seen some interesting things like whether it's, uh, what is that thing? It's like a wine wall where it's like, uh, draft tabs of wine that you could like walk up to, or I've seen virtual things at events. But I consider myself a fundraiser and not a party planner, so I don't pay a lot of attention to that. Instead, I just always go back to fundraising as a people business and fostering a relationship with people. Um, so I don't know. I don't pay a lot of attention to innovations versus trying to make that one-to-one communication as meaningful as possible. Yeah. So, so uh, it's a bad answer, but that's my answer. I'm sticking with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's still good. Well, before we kind of wrap things up, is there, is there any parting message that you'd like to give to, to our global fundraisers?
1: Oh, gosh, hang in there. We're all in this together. I think it's always hard in the midst of something that's unprecedented to see through to the other side. But we always get to the other side. Um, I certainly remember New York after 9-11 where, you know, things just felt hopeless and, you know, no one knew what was coming next. And the markets were... In turmoil and all the funding stopped but you know we moved on and we will again now so I would just say be well be healthy and hang in there
0: <laughs> thank you well thank you so much Stephanie for joining us today um, I know you. that um, sorry I know that our listeners will have thoroughly enjoyed the um, advice you've given to us and I truly believe that your advice will help and support many fundraisers globally during this challenging time if you would like to find out more about Stephanie and her fundraising services go to www.stetwin.com that's www.stetwi.com you'll find out so many great tips and tricks and you can reach out to her to hear more about her services however as announced today she is going to be running being a little busy running for office for a while so if you're based in uh, New York or Connecticut Get out there in November and make sure you vote. I know that if I could, I would definitely be voting for you, Stephanie.
1: <laughs> it's not too late to move. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I might need a little bit of time to qualify. But we really hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found the content really informative. But we'd love to hear your thoughts. So feel free to email podcast at and you can make suggestions of future topics or guests you would love to hear from on our show. But thank you again and don't forget to hit our subscribe button or follow to listen and look out for our next episode coming soon. Thank you.